0: Well, welcome to another edition of the To Be Discussed podcast. Today we are broadcasting from the oldest church in Ellis County, Texas, First Baptist Church of Palmer, and we have another good friend of mine, Brother Gary Southern, on the the show today. He's the brand new pastor here. Came on the field in March. Uh, he is a well-respected, well-known pastor, church planner all over Texas. And it is such an honor uh, to have him on the show, not only because he's an esteemed guest uh, overall, but because he means so much to me personally. I spent some time with him in the summer of 2020, uh, living with him, spending time with him there when he was a, a pastor of a church plant there in Houston, and got to know him real well, him and his wife, the lovely Miss Rhonda, and and uh, they've been a blessing to me, and so I want to bring him on and uh, let him bless your soul today. Brother
1: Gary, just a, a, a wonderful blessing to have you on the show today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. This is a first for me. I've never done this, so I'm excited to see how it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, you've been doing this a long
0: time, and so I wanted to, to let you just kind of give your testimony, how you got started and everything, uh, from, from being saved and and uh, in ministry and you've got a lot of knowledge to share so whatever you want to share with us we'd we'd love to have it.
1: Well the knowledge I have is basically I could tell you what not to do more so than what to do because I've learned about a lot of trial and error but um, I was saved in 1970 at the age of 10 years old Mm -hmm. and uh, it was on a Wednesday night after church Uh, we had the boys auxiliary class and called Galileans, and uh, I remember our teacher going through the Roman road and realizing I was lost and got home and, and uh, kind of had a big family. It was me and, and uh, four other siblings, and so my bedroom being the oldest, I, I had my own room to myself, and it was the washroom, and, the, and so in my bedroom, I had the hot water heater and the washing and dryer and a little bed and the back door, and so that was my bedroom but I was glad to have it. And I remember that Wednesday night when I went home that I had turned out the light and saw the flame underneath the hot water heater and I got to thinking about hell and how real it was and the lesson we'd had. And I just climbed out of my bed and got on my knees and asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin and invite him into my life as my Lord and Savior. And uh, at that moment, I got saved and uh was well, maybe a week or so later I got baptized at Sheridan Terrace Baptist Church and um after some time I just kind of got out of the will of God when I was about 15, 16 years old I quit going to church until about 22 or 23 years old and uh got married in that time to my wife Rhonda from Tyler, Texas and uh I tell people I'm from Palestine, so I had to go to the big city to find a girl who'd marry me. So I went to Tyler. And uh, not long after that, about seven years, we had our first son. And uh, that kind of, oh, I call it turning the light switch back on. I realized I needed to, to go to church, and I didn't want him to be one of these kids that gets dropped off. I wanted to be a parent that at least would take him and uh, so we started going and our second son was born and and my wife got saved in Texarkana Texas at uh, 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 a church there that kind of a funny story but uh, our boys were young and and you know not knowing any better there was a sign in this guy's yard that said free puppies and I told my wife I said man that's our kind of price (laughs) And so we went over there and met the guy and his wife, and they were about our age, and they had three boys about our age. And um, come to find out, we got to eating dinner with them, and she could cut your hair. And so we were having uh, fellowship. And it turned out he happened to be one of the young deacons Mm. of the church there in Texarkana. And uh, because of him and his wife's influence, we got back in the church, and Rhonda got saved got baptized there, and then uh, I surrendered to preach in that church back in 1986, Mm -hmm. and uh, as soon as I surrendered to preach and Runley got saved and baptized, we got sent to Arlington, Texas, and so we were living in Arlington, Texas with a company I was working for, and I went to uh, Grace Temple Baptist Church, a BMA church there, and met uh, Brother Carl Willis was the pastor. And uh, I didn't tell them I'd surrendered to preach. I'd only preached once and just thought I'd just not say anything and just kind of, you know, hide under the covers, I guess. Yeah. And it just kept wearing on me and gnawing at me. Finally, I told the pastor, and he, he said, well, man, you've been a member of this church for months. And I said, I know. I should have told you in the beginning. So anyhow, they they licensed me to preach and uh, started doing nursing home ministry with a good friend of mine, Lynn Squires. And uh, that's kinda where I got started preaching in the nursing home and singing and playing the music and just had a good time with the senior adults. Um, So from there, we went back to Palestine and uh, my home church. And we were there in Palestine for about a year and I felt God calling me to pastor so I told my pastor at the time, Terry Skinner, who used to pastor over here at Fairfield, he uh, he uh, he told me, he said he didn't want me to put my name in the state paper if I was only going to go 50-mile radius from, from home. And he said, you go pray about it. So I went back and started praying about it. And after about a couple of weeks, I went back to him and said, you know, God can use me any place, anywhere, anytime he wants to. Mm-hmm. And so they put my name in the texas state paper and it wasn't maybe a couple of weeks later that i got a call to come preach in western oklahoma <laughs> now i don't know how in the world that happened but we went and uh, my first church was at moorwood baptist church mm-hmm. is another one of those old churches built in the 1800s and uh, we stayed there about three years and got ordained from my home church there in palestine charity terrace baptist church And uh, from there, we went from from Western Oklahoma to uh, back to East Texas, where uh, I pastored Antioch Baptist Church for about five years. And after that, um, well, while I was there, we went to the Baptist Theological Seminary in Jacksonville, Texas. And uh, I went on the old man program. The old man program, (laughs) you had to be 30 years old or older and at least pastored a church for five years or been a pastor for five years, and so I qualified. And uh, one of the deacons there, uh, Calvin Lasseter, offered to pay uh, for most of my uh, seminary. So I took him up on it, and went there, and and, uh, uh, graduated with honors, and and, uh, a degree in theology. And then in 1995, when I graduated, I had a church call me down in Houston. And... uh, it was Lakeland Baptist Church, and we went down there as pastor in November 1995 and uh, stayed there for 13 years, wow. and while we were there, we uh, saw a lot of souls saved and a lot of people become members of the church, um, renovated and remodeled everything I could put my hands on there. We only had three acres and man we used every inch of it we built a brand new uh, educational building an office complex uh, we were doing three trips a a, a year to mexico wow and uh, we were building houses in uh, juarez mexico and so in the springtime we would take the the uh, young couples that wanted to go and build a house and we'd do it in one weekend we'd hmm. get there on friday afternoon and start building all day saturday and and Friday afternoon and all day Saturday and have it done, just the shell of it by Saturday evening. Have a worship service and go to the market and then head back to Houston. And so in the summer, our youth would go. It was really hot. I went a couple times, couldn't handle it. (laughs) So the youth and they would go every year. And then in the fall, the men would do a trip. So we were building about three houses a year plus working on a mission there. And we did that for about eight years straight. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Went to Africa in 1996, uh, Ghana, West Africa. I was looking at going there as a missionary. Uh, And uh, so I went there on a fact-finding tour and spent three weeks. And uh, while I was there, we helped them organize the BMA of Ghana, the BMA of Africa there in Ghana, West Africa. And uh, they had hundreds of people show up, Mm -hmm. came in on buses, And uh, vehicles, and they had a big college choir singing. And I I know there had to be at least three, four hundred people there. And uh, they were under the impression that the more members you had show up, the more votes you had. And I had to be the one to tell them, no, that's not the way we're going to organize this. It's going to, every church only gets three votes. Mm -hmm. And uh, they weren't too happy with that. I thought we was going to have an uprising, <laughs> but uh, it worked out well and it's still going on. In fact, uh, I plan on going back to Africa probably this next year, uh, 2023, and and see uh, the guy that's still there, Dube al he's in his late 90s, and wow. uh, we're setting up a, a um, non-profit organization to be able to continue to fund this work that's going on there in, in uh, Ghana, West Africa. So I'm going to go and meet some guys and make sure that you know we we've got some good guys in place so we can continue to work uh, long after we're gone. And so um, it's called Arizona okay. uh, uh, Mission uh, Ministry. Arizona min, uh, Ministry. My uh-huh. friend that uh, is out in Prescott, Arizona. <laughs> I met when I was in uh, Arlington. Right at the uh, Grace Temple Baptist Church. We've been friends ever since. He's one of my mentors. So. Uh, um, which makes me think, you know, everybody needs a mentor. Right. And so I had three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Burnaman was one, and he passed away not long ago, and I still have two. Anthony Pennington is in uh, western Oklahoma. Right. And then uh, Lynn Squires is in uh, Prescott, Arizona. So those are my two main mentors. And uh, they've helped me and groomed me and cried and with me and prayed with me and and helped me over the years, so uh, I think you need to have a Paul and you need a Timothy. So, um, but we were at uh, Lakeland Baptist Church for 13 years there in, in Northeast Houston, and and uh, in 2008 I left and uh, started uh, church planting, and uh, helped uh, one church plant. Uh, LifeQuest Community Church was already kind of in the going, and they needed help, so I came on board and. We got that church organized in 2012. And then uh, I took one family from that church and went and started another one called uh, uh, Valley Ranch, the church at Valley Ranch. And uh, we got it up to about 85 mm-hmm. members and, and uh, organized it in 2017. All right, And then they called me as a pastor. And we stayed there till uh, uh, March of 2022. Mm-hmm. So we left Houston, and now we're here in the great uh, Central Texas area of Palmer, Texas. Right. And loving every minute of it.
0: Well, you know that, that's a lot in in a uh, you know yeah. in there. I mean, just a lot of experiences. What would you say is the biggest changes that you've seen during that time span as far as the church, as far as, you know, America, all, all of that?
1: I think America just has gone downhill so much in the last 20 years, 30 mm-hmm. years. Um, and I think primarily it's because the church did not disciple their people. hmm I really think that's the, That's the key right there. We uh, we entertained them. We fed them. You know, we did everything we could to bring them in, but we didn't train them. We didn't teach mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I know we have Sunday school classes, but that a lot of that became just a, an hour of fellowship and a little bit mm-hmm. of Bible study. Right. Uh, a yeah. little bit of prayer, but not a whole lot of soul searching, you know. And uh, <clears throat> I think... Uh, all back in probably, 2 let's see, about 2000 maybe, I uh, began to think about uh, uh, leaving a legacy. And it wasn't in the buildings. It wasn't in how many you could have in a church service as much as it was training one-on-one people, uh, discipling them so that they can turn around and disciple others. And um, I think that's... uh, What's, what's really hurt our country. And and we're, we're reaping what we've sown, you know. And so we didn't really uh, sow much. And so because we didn't now, we don't have much uh, spiritual backbone that we need in our country. So it doesn't mean that God's dead, of course, but uh, we're, we're really getting what we deserve. You know, God puts those in power that He sees fit that we need at the time that we need them. And so... It might be a time of judgment upon us as a country, and I guess it seems that way with the prices <laughs> of everything going on, you know. Right. And uh, but um, yeah, discipleship is very important to me. In fact, uh, I've only been here since March, and I'm already discipling two guys in the church. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a slow go at first, but if you do two, and then the next thing you know, you got four, and then you're gonna have. Eight and then sixteen and then thirty-two, mm-hmm. and it'll grow very quickly like that if you uh, disciple them well. Yeah. So,
0: well, and and on his point about discipleship, you've seen some of his materials in my office. Yeah, uh, he he's written uh, things, and I'm, I keep them and I use them. Uh, well, so I knew you know growing up in church, you know,
2: we we, we didn't talk much about discipleship. Um, I actually didn't learn much about discipleship to my senior year in high school. Uh, no, was it my senior year? Yes, my senior year in high school and I took a uh, Bible literacy class. And my teacher, you know, told he had this whole lesson on, you know, how churches have, you know, they went out to, you know, make sure people have gotten saved, you know, but they never <laughs> brung them in and discipled. And that was the first time that I had ever heard anything like that. And, uh it was a while after that then uh pastor Dinkins, Cedric Dinkins, uh over at Jarvis, who's my pastor for a while and sort of my mentor, uh had taught us about discipleship, you know, and he who he's who really taught me how to serve, how to be a man of God and took me under his wing, uh and discipled me. And then uh, a few years after that when I started going to uh crossroads at the you know, he had left as pastor Um, I started going to Crossroads and then Riley came along and he uh, started teaching about discipleship and what it meant and I say today it's more important because you when you gotta because I'm in the youth ministry side of things so when you have a young kid who wants to get saved and doesn't have a clear direction of where they're going in life or what they want to do it's important that you bring them in and you disciple them and It's and I would say keep them on the right track, you know. So because nowadays it's so easy to veer left or veer right. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's and me working in us both working in the school system, we've seen that so many times. Um, And I believe they have a desire to know and a want and a need, but just like you said, we have we failed to disciple, and that's the most important, most important part of of being a Christian and of of our. Walking of faith, mm-hmm. so I, I do agree. You know that I mean I've never heard, heard anyone put put it that way, you know? um, and I've never heard anyone say that's where the church has failed because mm. we kind of I guess danced around it, yes, and kind of blamed other things. But that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. We failed to disciple.
1: Well, even with our youth today, a lot of it is just come have fun. We're going to play yeah. games. It's a time mm-hmm. to socialize with your other team friends. And, and uh, the parents don't mind just dropping them off and having some time uh, to themselves without the kids being around. And, and so we need to get back to discipling uh, our students and our children. You know, an interesting thing is that uh, the word disciple means a learner or a student. Mm -hmm. And discipleship really involves an apprenticeship in which the apprentice or the student is brought toward a particular goal. Now that word disciple, if you study it, is a form that appears 269 times in the Bible. Disciple. And Jesus used the word disciple only when referring to his followers. Mm. As a matter of fact, Jesus never used the word followers. Now, that word's in the Bible eight times. He never used the word believers. That's in the Bible two times. He never used the word Christian or Christians, and that's mm. in the Bible three times. But well, what he did use was the word disciple, which is 269 times. Mm. In other words, he's saying we need to be a student, we need to be a learner. And once we graduate from being a disciple, then we're to disciple others. And His great commission, as we know in Matthew 28, for us as a, as a church, is to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and teaching them. Wow. The things or whatsoever I've taught you. So that's discipleship, and that's mm-hmm. what He meant to do. And I think we very we failed. We have failed, and. Uh, we need to get back to, to discipling people. Hmm. It's the
2: end that we left off. Because I never looked at that, that text uh, like that. Because we, we make sure they're saved, but we forget. Hmm. The and that's the big part of it. He says, go and make disciples. That's the important part of it. Hmm. And we just kind of let that drop off the back end.
1: You're right. As a matter of fact, you know, right now, because of Roe uh, versus Wade has kind of been overturned and gone back to each individual state, to decide whether they're going to permit or whatever the laws are going to be about abortion. And yet we as Christians, we see people get saved. We And when they do get saved, very few do. We really stop and celebrate because mm-hmm. we've got You know, I have two sons, and when they were born, man, that was the greatest time in my life. Mm-hmm. I had family come. We celebrated, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd even dedicate them to the Lord, those little babies. And we nurtured them, and we clothed them, and we fed them, and we educated them in in hopes that one day they would become a grown man and and be able to be self-sustaining. And uh, as Christians, we've kind of aborted a lot of Christian babies. Mm -hmm. You know, they get saved, we baptize them. But then that's kind of the end of it. Nobody takes them under their wing and disciples them and mm. trains them to become disciple makers. Wow. And so a lot of churches have done spiritually the same thing that our nation is doing physically. Mm. Ooh. That's good. That's mouthful. Stuff. <laughs> that's, that's two weeks in a row that I've had my buddies on it. I'm like,
0: man, that's good stuff. Man. So, so that to me, I mean, just listen to you talk. That's kind of what you've seen over the years in ministry is the biggest kind of gaping hole there is that, that lack of discipleship. And I know you, you know, just through our conversations and having watched you, that that's a passion, you know, for you yes. to see that change in our churches. Right. now, Wow. wow. That's, that's good stuff. It is. Now, now, to segue into that, you also use a very unique tool in discipleship and reaching people, and that's your DISC. Yes. Assessments. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes. Well, <clears throat> you know, Jesus said in Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the word learn is a verb form of the word disciple. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Jesus is saying, come and be discipled by me. And that's a wonderful imitation to the process of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus paints a vivid picture of what the process looks like when he speaks of the word yoke. And mm-hmm. I've asked people in years past, what do you think that word yoke means? And most of them say, well, that's what's in the egg, right? That yellow <laughs> part in the egg. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but really, that's not what he's talking about here. You've probably seen a horse or a mule or a Mm -hmm. pair of ox that are harnessed around the neck and shoulders uh, uh, in order to pull a wagon or a plow. And so that yoke is there for three main reasons. One is submission. Um, It's to help bring that animal under control, the one sitting on it, uh, on the wagon or plow. So that yoke makes it possible to control. The second one is work. You know, the yoke... Uh, implies responsibility. When a person is yoked to something, they go out there. They they're doing it on uh, purposely. They've got uh, an idea in mind for uh, for those animals to do something, to accomplish something. So God saved you and me because He has something that He wants your life to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But you can only fulfill responsibility when you're yoked together with Christ under His control. And then it means companionship. Mm-hmm alright when Jesus says take my yoke upon you he makes it clear that it's in uh, that he's in this yoke also so y'all seen this uh, wooden harness that has two loops in it Uh and typically what they would do is they would take one animal that's trained and put in one side and they take a young one that doesn't know what to do and put it in the other side Uh well that young one's going to kick and romp and snort and want to get away while the older one just sits there very calmly and I kind of think they look and go, you'll get the hang of it here in a minute. You know, (laughs) you can't get out of this. And so Jesus has done the same thing, guys. Listen, he is in the yoke with us. And the weight has been put on him. We're just there to learn. See, he wants us to get yoked up together. So how do you do that? Well, the process, and everybody has their own process, okay? I have a 27-week discipleship training where I take an individual. We'll spend an hour together in prayer and and the Word and do a, a, a lesson because I find that most people say, well, I don't know the Bible. And that's why they don't talk to others about Jesus. They're afraid they're going to be asked something that they don't know. So we spend... Uh, these 27 hours, these 27 weeks together, and after we do our, our time together, we'll go out in the community, visit somebody. We'll go out and look for somebody lost and just begin to get engaged with them in that in that way. But that's not the only way to disciple. There's other things. There's spiritual gifts. And I find a lot of Christians don't even know what a spiritual gift is. Mm-hmm. They don't even know what their spiritual gift is. Right, And so... Uh, we do a workshop on spiritual gifts and then we do a workshop on, uh, your personality. You know, you think about God, he could have made one tree. It would have been good for firewood, been good for building homes. It would have been good for, uh, uh, any lumber project. It'd been, it could have had fruit on it and that one fruit could have sustained us. And, uh, uh, that one tree could have been good for shade and for trees in the air and squirrels too. But the thing is, is that he didn't do just one tree. If you ever Google it, you'll find out there are thousands of different trees, different sizes, different shapes. And so God, whenever he does anything, he goes to the nth degree of his creation. Just like you and I, he's, he's created us with, with uh, a personality, with a, a character, with a, a talent, right? He, he's gifted us in many areas, given us a spiritual gift at the time of our salvation. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things that I've discovered is that he has given us a personality that, uh, that's different from others. You know, just like God likes variety, we have different um, nationalities, different skin colors, different hair, different eyes. Uh, you know different heights different what Mm -hmm. god likes variety and so he did the same thing with our personalities and so along with discovering your spiritual gift and being discipled you begin to realize what your personality is and a lot of conflicts in a church is because you got different personalities that don't understand each other right you know there's some that are just direct and to the point and Mm -hmm. they can hurt others who are more caring and nurturing and uh, you got some that are very uh, uh, detailed oriented they want to follow the rules mm-hmm. and, and then you got some that like to break the rules and just have a good time right and so there's a lot of potential there for, for you know problems when you set up your committees mm-hmm. and teams and so I find that we need all these personalities just like we need all the spiritual gifts in the church for that church to run smoothly and uh to, to accomplish the work that God has for our church. And so we have an assessment that we give to uh, uh, our church members. I'm new at this church, so we haven't started it yet, but in the previous churches and both of our church plants we did, uh, we, we took them through a, a member assessment. And uh, I think it's a great tool because it assists the church in knowing the real person behind the new member And also behind the other members in the church. Mm -hmm. And uh, you begin to appreciate the differences rather than allowing the differences cause the conflict and the struggle. Right. So um, we get to learn how they're going to act and react in various situations and their strengths and their weaknesses. And so um, we disciple them. We do a member assessment with them. And then we do some ministry team workshops. And in these workshops, we have how to study the Bible. A lot of people don't know how to study it. We have uh, All About Rewards. That's a short workshop. But in that workshop, we we teach people that everything you do in the service of God, He's going to give you a reward for. He's not going to end up him owing you. He -hmm. wants to... When you go out to witness, most people like to witness to people like they prefer to be witnessed to. Some direct to the point, others all about information and details, others just about having fun and they might get to the Bible, might not, you know, some are just caring and nurturing, don't want to say anything that might hurt your feelings. I remember one time in our living room, this young lady was uh, feeling convicted and uh, we were leading her to the Lord and uh just about the time she was about ready to realize that she had sin in her life and she was going to repent my wife says oh don't worry don't worry it's okay god loves you and i'm like no you gotta let the sting a little bit you gotta let that sin seek in before you can get saved and so it just depends on the different personalities as to how you lead someone to christ mm-hmm. and the direction that you go with them um and then we also do a workshop that's called uh, Disc Kids," and that's a parenting workshop. So once you've done the enhancing couple's workshop and you learn your personality and your spouse's personality, then you can begin to learn your children. Mm. You know there's a verse in the Bible that says "To train up a child in the way he should walk." Go, go. And when he is old, he will what? Not depart from from it. That's a very misquoted uh, and interpreted verse in the Bible. Mm. What that's saying is that God has created that child with a particular bent, Mm. his personality or her personality, and she's going to go or he's going to go in that direction. But as a parent, our job is to discover what that is. And then we help them and groom them to go that direction. And so I wished I'd learned this when I was raising my two kids. Uh, only by the grace of God, they have turned out great like they have. But um, if I'd have known this years ago, it'd have been a whole lot easier on, on why my kid does this or why my kid does that. And it's pretty fun to watch babies in the church because you begin to pick up on their personalities as well. So there's four basic personalities, okay? Mm-hmm. You have one that's dominant and direct, demanding, decisive type person. You have one that uh, is going to be the influencer, impressive, you know, imaginative, fun, exciting all the time. Um, you're gonna have the one that's uh, uh, serving and sentimental and shy and sweet and uh, loving, likes a hug. And then you have the one that's very conscientious, a rule follower. And you learn the weaknesses as well, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, And all of us have a flaw because we're not perfect. We have that sin. And that sin has mired our personalities as well. And so uh, there's one personality type that uh, they have a self-worth issue. They're all the time doing stuff to prove themselves. And they don't stop and celebrate. When they achieve a goal, they want to go on to the next goal because they, they just have this drive to prove them self-worth. Well, we know there's only one person that can help us in our self-worth, yeah. and that's Jesus. Right. Another personality is the one that has a self-image problem. That's why they have two or three different color hair shades or wear a bright shirt or act crazy and fun and you know just want to draw attention because they want people to like them. Well, we know there's only one person that can help our self-image, mm-hmm. and that's Jesus. Mm. And then we have those that are uh, the sweet and shy and sentimental type, but you know they uh, they 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 struggle as well as the other two. Um, theirs is the uh, 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 man. Forget what that one's called. Let me think here, man. It'll hmm. come to me. Y'all, you have to catch at this one too. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, self-worth, self worth, uh, if image, oh, self esteem. So then, this other one, it, it has that sweet and shy and sentimental and, and very loving and nurturing. They, they have the. Uh, uh, what did I say? Self esteem. Self esteem. They have a self esteem issue, mm-hmm. and and their self esteem issue is that they just. They walk around like the sky is falling. Uh, they have to be encouraged that they can do what God's called them to do. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the majority of your church is made up of this type of person. 35%. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, They're the ones that that just... They'll come down the altar anytime you give an altar call because they feel like that somebody needs to move. The pastor preached hard and he's got a good message and no one's going down to the altar and they're worried that he's going to get his feelings hurt. So they'll come down and uh, they're they're the majority that do that. Um, Because of that, in some of my churches, I quit giving an invitation because it was manipulating them to do something that they really didn't feel the need to do. And so a lot of times I would just say, I'm going to be standing at the back of the church. If you need to be saved or baptized, you want to be a member of the church, or you have a prayer need, you can come see me. And that kind of let the pressure off of those people. Um, and then the, the fourth one is the one that's uh, uh, very book savvy. They'll have two and three degrees, you know, they're always learning. They know all the rules, they know all the facts, all the all the uh, uh, details of everything. And, and they really have a self-confidence issue. And so we know there's only one that can help with the self-confidence, mm-hmm. and that's Jesus. So Jesus can okay. fill in the gap for us if we'll let him. And then we can begin to serve him because we love ourselves. You know, Jesus said, how can you love your neighbor, right, if you don't love yourself? Mm -hmm. And so we have to love who we are. In other words, we need to love who God created us to be. Mm -hmm. Our differences, our personalities, our desires, our spiritual gifts, and not be envious of our brothers and sisters because they might be different than us, but we embrace it. Mm -hmm. And so that's discipleship training. You know, you got to teach them all aspects. Spiritual gifts, how to study the Bible, all about worship and rewards, um, and then help them with their personality. Let them know who they are. And then you can set them off on their way. And they're going to do great things for God. And that's what God intended Mm -hmm. for us to be restored. That's right. You know?
0: I remember... He was kindly telling me this one time at a meeting that he and I were both at, and he could tell me by the suit I was wearing and the way that I stood. He was telling me, "I'm thinking, how's this guy know all this stuff?" So then I took your assessment we, when I was living with him. I took his assessment, and he's sitting across just like we are today, and he's telling me stuff about myself that I've never told him. And he's telling me this stuff. I'm thinking "Where do you get this stuff?" You know, but but it's a help when you're ministering to people to be able to know those things. Yes. You know, because he took what he knew about me and, and he was able to help me piece things together. Yeah. You it, know? It, it unlocks, you know, the
2: mind and the heart. You mm-hmm. know, because a lot of things we hold in, uh, we keep it to ourselves. But well, when there's someone that is that is willing to walk us through, you know, trying to unlock some of that, if, whether it be pain or just a hidden personality of trait that we have or don't know that we have, you mm-hmm. um, you know, it kind of relieves you know the pressure. You know, it's like um, bursting um, a, a a bubble or a blister, you know, or something, mm-hmm. relieving the pressure off of it and off of yourself. And it's a spiritual help, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, if if I could, I said, man, every church needs that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, because I'm I'm more for everybody. Okay, let's understand. And I think that's also another issue in America is we don't have the knowledge to understand or the will to want to understand each other. That's why we're always bickering and fighting amongst each other because no one understands. And no one wants to take the time to understand mm-hmm. each other. And so, um, I always say that if we can't do it, get it together in the church, the world out there is never going to come in because if we're doing the same things that doing, they're doing out there, they're going to see it as, what's the use? you know, What's the point? Wrong. And so I say, you know, If we can get together and and start to love each other the way we're supposed to and understand and fellowship and work in harmony the way we're supposed to as a church, the world will be more accepting of and know who God really is, know who Christ is and his purpose uh, and his um, being and why he came. You know, God sent him for us. But if we can't do that, then, you know, things are going to continue to go the way that they're going. I
1: agree. You know, when you think about the life of Jesus and you kind of study it, you know, he wasn't very popular among the religious ones Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, you know, Jesus himself was a rabbi. Jesus was a a priest. Jesus was a teacher. But he did it differently. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the time in in, uh, his life, you would go and you'd pay a priest. You'd go and pay a rabbi to teach you, and you'd go to their house or you'd go to their uh, school that they had, and you would sit and listen there. Jesus didn't charge, and Jesus went out to where the people were, and he would teach on a rock. He'd teach by the seaside. He would teach in a boat. You know, he was he was out there amongst the people, mm-hmm. and not only that, but Jesus knew the different personalities of the people he was teaching to in other words he would do individually you know he was very direct and to the point with paul wasn't he Mm -hmm. knocked him off his horse right said hey i'm the one that you're persecuting here right he was direct because paul was that type of guy and you look how paul lived his life as a church planter Mm -hmm. you know um very rough and rugged and then you find that, that Jesus uh, was able to sit around with the friends and laugh and cut up. And, and uh, he went to uh, some of the different uh, outings where the other priests and Pharisees said, man, you know, your, your, your teacher's in there eating with sinners and publicans and that kind of thing. But he was able to go in there so that he could minister to these people. Right. And he could tell a joke. Jesus talked about how hard it is for a rich man to enter into heaven as if a camel going through the eye of a needle. That was a joke that Jesus was telling that was related to the people at the day. The other personality, Jesus was nurturing, caring, kind. He sat down on the side of the well to talk to a woman that was coming out from the city. He sent his disciples off because he knew they would mess it up. They, They wouldn't have anything to do with the Samaritan woman. So he sent him into town to grab some lunch, and he sat there waiting on this lady. And he was very kind and considerate to her and her situation. He knew her situation. He didn't sidestep the idea that she had had multiple husbands, and, and, uh, but he was caring to her and kind. And, uh, and then I find that Nicodemus came to him at night, and he wanted information. He wanted to know the truth. And as Jesus began to tell him that you must be born again and Nicodemus couldn't understand. You remember Jesus said, Nicodemus, you're a teacher of the law. How come you don't know these things, you see? So Jesus knew who his audience was at the moment he was speaking to, whether it was in the crowds or whether it was one-on-one or individually. Hmm. And you see, he left us with the same ability. We have to learn who are reaching? Who is our audience? Who are we talking to? And when we, uh, when I go out and uh, we go to different people's homes and we begin to engage with them, you just look around and see the environment that they're in. Mm-hmm. You know, what do they drive? How do they dress? How do they act? Do they make eye contact with you? Or would they prefer to stand by your side? So you begin to learn how you can minister to the different people like Jesus did. And you know, I'm not great at it. But I know who he is, and that's Jesus. Right. And if we depend on the Holy Spirit, He'll guide us and direct us. Mm-hmm. And then we can begin to see new people saved and not spiritually abort them, right. but bring them into the fold and help nurture them and disciple them and teach them to go out and do the same thing. And that's what Jesus was doing. Hmm. He wasn't about a building, He wasn't about, you got to come down this. I mean he didn't even have an owl, you know come and pray at this rock he wasn't like that there's another thing that, that, that brings to mind you know Jesus didn't go by any titles he didn't go by reverend Jesus he didn't go by bishop Jesus he didn't go by pastor Jesus you know it was just Jesus And see, our society, as far as the religious side of things, look at what we do today. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, this church asked me, what did I like to be called? Did I want to be called pastor or brother or what? And I said, my name's Gary. Just call (laughs) me Gary, you know. I'm not better than anybody else. I'm a sinner saved by grace, Mm -hmm. and I want to reach others by the same way, you know. We put too many walls up between us and the lost world. Mm-hmm. Like you said earlier, you know, that's why we have a lot of differences and people fighting and fussing and feuding out there is because we try to establish all these walls around us. And uh, we cut people off.
2: Right. Yeah. You know. And that seems to be a popular thing in this society. Something that you always see in, you know, the world tells, you know, cut everybody off and just, you know, be you, live you. By yourself, be your, you know Like that's not <laughs> that's not how you build a relationship or a friendship you know, or anything, no. you know. And we have a lot of society believing that hey, I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody, and that's not true. That's not the way God designed us. That's not the way He created us. Right. We're meant to be relational.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You and I have talked about that a, a yeah. lot. You know, yeah. and I've pre- you've heard me preach it. And, yeah. And we've taught that 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 you know we're we're meant to be. A relational, relational people, brother Gary. You know I could listen to you all day and 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 everything. But we are so appreciative um, that you were willing to come on and and share. You know your experiences, uh, share your training. You know uh, that that God has blessed you with. And uh, you know what what an honor, what a blessing to call you friend. Yes, uh, to call you mentor. And and to have you on my show, I mean, it, it just meant the world to me when you said you would come on. And uh, so I told him, I said, "We're going to make a trip to Palmer. You know, yeah. we're, we're going up there." As soon as you gave me the go ahead, I said, "That's what we're doing." And uh, so glad, so glad to have you on. Are there any questions you want to close with for him?
2: Um, not at all. I mean, I am honored, you know, to have you. My first time meeting you, and I've learned a ton. <laughs> uh, a lot, as far as opening my eyes to a lot of things within the church, and just like you said earlier about um, how you know as a church we failed to disciple. You know? mm-hmm. Never really thought about it that way, or never because I've never heard it. But since I've heard it, it's given me a new mindset. You know, okay, on what to do and which direction to go uh, with young people or people in general. Um, I learned a ton, and it's been an honor to have you on our show and just to learn something new and for our listeners to learn something new as well about uh, God, about Jesus, and not just religion, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. That's right. That's it. And so that's what we're trying to do here and, and want our listeners to understand. And uh, this is just another segment. And
1: I'm glad that you uh, agreed to be on the show. Well, I appreciate it. It's my honor. And I, I, I just... I just love meeting people, and and you know what? Everybody's got a story. Mm -hmm. And everybody likes to tell their story. Mm -hmm. And we need to take time to let them. Right. Jesus was a good listener, you know? Yep. And we need to be too. And the more we listen to people, the more we can figure out how they are and how we can minister to them Mm -hmm. through who God made them to be. Yep. So, thank y'all for having me. I enjoyed it.
0: If we keep having these guys on, like we had Brother David last week. We had Brother Gary this week. We're going to feel like we're taking our people to seminary. <laughs> I mean, we've had some good good stuff. Yeah, uh, man. Two weeks yeah. in a row. I mean, yeah. just right, one right after the Another other. fact. Wow. But, uh, well, there you have it, folks. That is Brother Gary Southern, my great friend, my mentor, and uh, the pastor of First Baptist church of palmer texas if you're in the area be sure or come uh you have service at uh 10 fifty. Ten fifty 50 on sunday mornings and uh, be sure and stop by they would love to have you they also have a, a wonderful uh kids academy down here what, what go ahead and, uh, and plug it uh what um age groups do you cover in your academy here brother
1: yeah we do uh, uh kindergarten through uh, fifth grade. Okay. We have a, um, an early drop off in the morning and then pick back up in the afternoon while school's going on. And then during the summer, we have a summer camp for kids here at, uh, First Baptist Church, uh, Palmer Academy. So we'd love to have any kids that are in the area that would like to have some time. We take a lot of field trips during the summer mm-hmm. and, uh, they got a great playground that they can get on and have a good time there. Plus, they're learning the Bible. So mm-hmm. we have chapel two times a week. And it's one of my highlights of the week to get to teach those kids. So we'd love to have uh, you and your family. And uh, come visit our church. It's a historical building. It's mm-hmm. been here since 1900. And next year, November, we're going to celebrate 150 years wow. of First Baptist is... Church of Palmer. Wow. So uh just come and, and check us out. We'd love to have you.
0: Well, and, and having said that about the school, I forgot to tell you all folks. He's not only my mentor, he, he's a friend. I call him Brother Gary, and now i got to call him Superintendent Gary. We're in the superintendent's <laughs> office uh, because of the academy here. But no, uh, once again, just so glad to have you. As far as me and Adrian are concerned, be looking starting August the 1st. Yes. We will be starting a new show called... I believe we settled on the name Down Home Sports. Oh, good old sports. Oh, good old sports. I'm sorry. No, no, (laughs) no. We we talk. Uh, Good old sports, and it's going to be a daily sports show. It's going to be probably a three-hour sports show. We're going to have guests on. We're going to break down. Everything from the pros down to high school level And uh, just got off the phone on the way up here with another man We're we're going to have some unique things uh, to bring to you So be looking for that content We will continue to have the T V D podcast out to you every Friday And uh, so continue to listen to that and We've just got so much going on, the Lord's blessing We're excited yes, and we yes, want indeed. you along for the ride Well, that's all for the TBD podcast this week We'll see you next Friday with another special guest God bless